people shout yes. Say amen. The word that we're quoting this morning is from 2 Corinthians and it says in Christ all of the promises are yes. God says yes and the church rises up and we say what does amen mean? So be it. And so he in the heavens says yes. We in the earth agree and say so be it. And guess what happens? When heaven and earth agree, miracles happen. Something takes place uh, on a plane that cannot be described in natural terms. It becomes a supernatural event and an occurrence. occurrence. Remain standing with me, please, if you would. As we go into our message notes this morning, we've, uh, we're going to come back to this. We're going to come back and pick up right in that moment. And you'll understand why I'm doing this today the way I am. This is the last in the series, number four, of the crisis message that we've been talking about. Uh, the title of the message today is called, Yet I Will Rejoice. Say those words with me. Yet I Will Rejoice. No, no, you know, notice it doesn't say but. It doesn't interrupt it and go that direction. But it says yet. Everybody say yet I will rejoice. And so here is our text. We have, I believe, three verses. I'd like you to find a screen and read with me, please. Here we go. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines... Even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. One thing, this is the thing I want you to grasp this morning. In the midst of this series, the confusion that we're facing, the outrageous difficulties with the, 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 the government just being at a standstill, the threat of terror in every direction that we go. In the middle of all of this, I believe God has a people that need to grasp this understanding. Look at this. Say, joy doesn't just happen. Living joyfully is a regular decision. Read it like you mean it. Joy doesn't just happen. Living joyfully is a regular decision. Bow your hearts with me, please, for a word of prayer. Awesome and amazing God, thank you in this place for your presence. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift that you have given to us in eternal life. Thank you for calling each and every one of us, even before the foundation of the world. Father, thank you that you call us your sons and daughters. We're overwhelmed even at the thought. The Bible says, behold, what manner of love is this? The apostle couldn't even get his head wrapped around it. He said, this is just bigger than I could even begin to imagine. What, what kind of love is this? That God would call us his children, his sons and his daughters. God, we're overwhelmed today because of that love, because of that faithfulness, the mercy of the Lord that is new every day. God, we give you praise in this place. Holy Spirit, move. In these few moments we have together today, we, we lift you up and we, we exalt you in this place and we ask you today to teach us and speak to us and transform us and change us by your power, by the Holy Spirit we pray. We'll be careful to give you praise. I need you more than I've ever needed you before, God. I acknowledge that. and Thank you that you're here today to speak to each of our hearts and the needs of each of these people. We make this decision, yet I will rejoice. In God my Savior. And all of God's people said, Amen. You may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. I want to take just a few minutes today, not going to be lengthy. I want to jump right in to this message this morning. We've been talking about 
the crisis that our nation is in, crisis that may be personal in your own, own individual life. It can be on any particular level or plane or uh, group, financial, social, it can be employment, economic, health, physical, uh, children, spouse, relational, all of these different kinds of things that we encounter on a daily basis as we go through life. Problems come. And sometimes it, it's almost as if there is a perfect storm of two or three fronts meeting at once and creating a near cataclysmic event. When, when you hear bad news about your health and at the same time there is a national economic problem and there's a downsizing in your company and there's a pink slip in your box and, and there's a repossession for a vehicle and some of you have been there and all of this stuff seems to just hit at once and you compound that with an international problem called ISIS with the issue of, uh, of Islamic jihadists and those who want to wage war on anyone who doesn't agree with their particular worldview. And that sets them at odds with the majority of the world. And so we're, we're wrestling with how we deal with all of those issues, how we are able to cope with them and not become so distracted that we go stand in a corner and uh, you know, wait for somebody to come pick us up and haul us off somewhere. And uh, sometimes it's our own determination to maintain sanity that keeps us in that place. Uh, and then sometimes we, we try to our best to maintain it and we don't keep that position. Now, I just want you to know I have a choir of crickets. So this morning if I make a joke and it goes south and all we hear is crickets... <laughs> Someone tried to catch it, and I think it actually crawled into the wall that the termites had made for uh, the home there. So <laughs> I'm thankful that these days in this leased facility are numbered, and there will be a new home, <laughs> a new location, a new facility. One thing, joy doesn't just happen. Living joyfully is a regular decision. Somebody say amen. As we begin this morning, I have three points. I'm not going to do any significant review. You can go back and grab these at www.victorywire.com under the media or podcast that automatically updates at uh, Victory Church of the Mid-South on iTunes. This morning as I begin, my first point is simply one word. Everybody say, remember. Remember. Remember is a very important word covenantally. Uh, it is one that is set in place for the purpose of recalling the conditions of an agreement. Under the word remember on your screen, you can see that I've said it is a covenantal plea based upon the integrity of God's promise. God has an agreement with man in Jesus Christ. And it is an agreement that has been established by an oath. An oath based upon two immutable things, that God cannot lie. His word is his bond. His, his name and his word, specifically the word and the spirit together, provide for us the confidence of his faithfulness. We know that he will follow through. His word contains the ability to produce what he has said, the desire of his heart. God's thoughts became his word when he spoke. Now, the determination must be that we take his word 
and let that become our thoughts. Okay? Because his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, his ways are higher than our ways, Isaiah 55 says, because he has given us the revealed understanding of his will in the word of God, those words were his thoughts and they became his spoken word. We have a record that's been written down. It is the living word of God that you hold in your lap via a piece of uh, book or whether it is a, an electronic device or however means that you have to be able to access to look up the words of God that have been recorded for us in Holy Scripture. They were his thoughts. They became his words. They were recorded. We take his word and we hide it in our hearts and so that his word can now become our thoughts, so that it can fill our thoughts, so that we can have our mind renewed. We can be transformed by the renewing of our mind. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, with that we are able to prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I call on God and I say, remember your promise. Uh, Abraham prays and he says, God, remember your servant. Remember is to call into account the conditions of the covenant which have been spoken over us in Christ. The covenant that Habakkuk is working from is the covenant that the law of God has been revealed in. It's the covenant of Sinai. It's the one that God spoke through Moses to bring the promises of God to the children of Israel. And they didn't walk in faith in the promises. They actually began to think that they could set up a system of fence laws. The law is here itself. And so they set up laws that become more restrictive outside and around those, a set of fence laws Thinking this kind of thing, and this is sort of a real humanistic idea, if I can keep myself from breaking this one, then I won't ever make it into the point of breaking that law that God has established. That's why Jesus says, you guys have taken this burden, you have taken this yoke, and you have compounded it upon the people. You've not lifted one finger to help them, and literally you make them twice more the children of hell than you are yourselves. Meaning that, because of all of this system of legalism, and the idea that you have the ability to walk in the perfect standard of God's laws and His commandments, you have moved away from faith and the promises that God would bring salvation, and you've started to think that you could work your way into it yourself. And that's where Israel completely lost connection. And so in the middle of this, Habakkuk is crying out because of the judgment of God that is coming. And this is what he says as he opens the, the very first uh, section of chapter 3. Uh, he cries out to God. And this is what Habakkuk chapter 3 says. This prayer was sung. How many of you, ever, how many of you know that sometimes you get to the place where you just don't even feel like putting words together and mm, sometimes all you got is just a moan down in your spirit. Now some of you know what I'm talking about because the scripture says in Romans chapter 8 verse 26 and 27 it says sometimes we don't know how to pray as we ought but the spirit groans uh, and, and makes utterances that we don't have any idea in a known language even what we're saying and, and sometimes all you have left is just a mm, my my Lord I need you today and Habakkuk began to do what I'm talking about this morning he began to stir himself up and as a matter of fact, if you read this very section right here in the Amplified Bible, it says this prayer was set to wild, enthusiastic, triumphal music. 
The prophets of the old many times would call for a minstrel. Minstrel meaning a musician. Someone who had skill to play an instrument. But not only who had skill, they had an anointing. Everybody say the anointing. Now, it's, it, it, it's one thing to, I can teach a student technique. I can teach you how to read music and I can teach you how to play and the, 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 the passion or the intensity with which you play, whether it's going to, in the dynamics, will be forte, it'll be loud, or it'll be pianissimo, it'll be very soft. And I can teach you technique and you can copy that. You can listen to one of your favorite musicians and you can learn to hit the licks that they hit. You can dress like they dress. You can, you can copy technique and you can copy style. As a matter of fact, anybody looks better with a makeover. You get a fresh haircut and a, and a new do and, and some new clothes on your back and you get yourself a little makeover and some of us need a little bit more extreme than the others and I'm talking about myself. And, and, and you get yourself a makeover and you can copy style. You can copy cool. You can copy licks and riffs. And you can copy some technique, but there's one thing you can't copy. You can't copy the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Either you have it or you don't. And let me tell you how you get it. You get it by spending time in the presence of the Holy Spirit. One, one, one hero of mine said it this way. If you haven't attracted His presence, you will never attract them to Him. Come on, somebody. It takes some anointing. And, and, and when you need to be stirred up down in your spirit so that you can clearly begin to move all the cobwebs back and all the distractions and all of everything that attempts to try and, and steal and kill and destroy from you, sometimes it takes some anointing, some worship, some presence of God and whatever your flavor is, whatever kind you like, that you've got to put on and play on the way to work to get yourself to some degree kind of pumped up and ready to go in there and encounter that place. There are days that you just go, God, yeah, I'm going to tell you I'd give $1,000 if I didn't have to show up at this joint today. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Amen. And all you've got is a... Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, this is where Habakkuk was. God, I don't feel like showing up at this joint today. You're going to have to help me out. And this is what he began to sing. And the scripture says before it was over with, his whole tone began to change. And look at what he said here in about two verses. He says, I've heard all about you, Lord. I'm filled with awe by your amazing works. And in this time of our deep need, help us again. So look at your neighbor and say, he'll help you again. Yes, he will. Uh, the, the King James says, revive your work in the midst of the years. That's, that's a really nice, heavy kind of theological way to say it. That's why I love the New Living Translation. It's, instead of revive your work in the midst of the years, it says, help us again as you did in years gone by. How many of you know if he showed up in your grandmother's life and you've heard the testimony... And she stood on the promises of God that she said were yes and amen. And she told you the story about it. It wasn't for you to just to have a nice little memory. It was for you to come to the place in your life when you would say, well, if God did it for Granny, I believe he will show up and do it for me again. He will help us again the way he has done in the years gone by. Hallelujah. That's what the church needs more than anything. And let me tell you what America needs. America needs the church to get up and do what she's called to do. You can build your wall, and I'm going to tell you, they'll scale it, they'll climb over it. You can set up the most amazing cybersecurity system, and somebody will hack their way into it. 
You can't have your security in anything other than your trust in the God who is your shelter and your fortress and your shield. Mm, and you know, when you get yourself in that prayer closet in that place and you don't even feel like you have any words and you just begin to give expression and you begin to give voice to something that starts to cry out from the inside of you way down. Come on, I'm preaching this morning. Help me a little bit. And you just start to say, God, you've shown up before. Help us again the way you did. This is what he's saying is remember. God, I beg you, remember. Show up. And this is what he says. Look here. He says, oh God, and even in the middle of all your anger. What's the one word? Here it is. Everybody say what? Remember. <laughs> remember your mercy. God told the children of Israel. He took a whole book called the book of Deuteronomy. And he said it over and over and over again, do not forget that it is the Lord your God who brought you into this place. Remember that it is the Lord your God who gives you the power to get wealth so that He might establish His covenant in this place and in your life. Do not forget. Remember. Remember is not just a matter of recalling uh, the, 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 the misty mood of something that you encountered a few years ago. But remember means to recollect, to bring something that has become fragmented and put it back together again. To remember something means to take the broken pieces and take all the members of those pieces and re-it back into wholeness. Remember it. Hallelujah. And Habakkuk starts out with nothing but a groan and a prayer that he can't even put expression to. And he gets him an anointed minstrel he sets him down beside him and he starts praying. And before you know it, his prayer becomes a prophecy. And in the middle of all of that, he starts saying, something's got to change. I know that there's going to be some shaking that takes place. But God, remember, just like the thief on the cross looked at Jesus and he said, remember me today when you come into your kingdom. And I believe what he was saying was, put the brokenness of my life back together. Remember me. Take all of my members that are all broken up and recollect them into shalom, into wholeness, and put me back together and make me whole. And Jesus looked at him and he said, you will be with me today in paradise. I believe that's all it takes right there is just calling on a God, on the God of heaven and say, remember me, remember, put me back together, Lord. Not, not just in your mind to recall the glory of a former day, but remember, recollect, put me back together in a place of wholeness. Are you getting anything out of this this morning? Point number two. Point number two. When God moves, everything shakes. Well, what was it, Jerry Lee? He said, a whole lot of shaking going on. And I'm going to tell you, if there ever was a prophetic word for this day, it's that Jerry Lee word. There's a whole lot of shaking going on. Everything around us is shaking that can shake. And this is what I want you to see. I, I, I'm not going to take time to read all of these verses. But there are a few of them that I think that are very pertinent to us. I see God moving across the deserts from Edom, the Holy One coming from Mount Paran. His brilliant splendor fills the heavens and the earth is filled with His praise. He starts to change his focus on how awful things are and how bad they look. And when he lifts up praise, praise will raise you up out of your perception and perspective of all the negative and you'll start to see God. And he says, 
I've seen your awe and how amazing and awesome you are by your works. And I just ask you to remember, your, your, in the middle of your anger and your wrath, remember your mercy and help us once again the way you did with former generations, years gone by. He says, he is coming as brilliant as the sunrise. Rays of light flash from his hands where his awesome power is hidden. Pestilence marches before him and plague follows close behind. When he stops, the earth shakes. When he looks, the nations tremble. He shatters the everlasting mountains and he levels the eternal hills because he is the eternal one. He's the creator. He made this place. And when he walks into it, creation has to tremble in his presence. This is what I want you to recognize. When your life is shaking and everything around you seems like it's falling apart and you just don't feel like you can bear the possibility of another word of of bad news or negativity coming your way and you feel like this place that we're reading this morning is is the, the indicator of what's happening in your own life, hear this word today. I know that when God moves, everything shakes, but we begin to get a different perspective on it. Your identity establishes your perspective on the dealings of God. Unless you know who you are, unless you know with confidence that you are one of His children, that He is your Father and you are His son, you are His daughter, when you are confident in that identity, you have a whole different perspective on the dealings of God than the rest of the world around you does. They think everything is just going to hell in a handbasket. But look at what happens when you see yourself in right perspective. I see the people of Kushan in distress, the nation of Midian trembling in terror. Was it in anger, Lord, that you struck the rivers and parted the sea? Were you displeased with them? And Habakkuk gives us the answer, no, you were sending out your chariots of salvation. You brandished your bow and your quiver of arrows and you split open the earth with the flowing rivers. The mountains watched and trembled. Onward swept the raging waters. The mighty deep cried out, lifting its hands in submission. The sun and moon stood up still in the sky. At your brilliant arrows flew and your glittering spear flashed. He said, you marched across the land in anger and trampled the nations in your fury. And then he says, this is why God was doing what he was doing. Listen, you went out to rest rescue your chosen people and to save your anointed ones you crush the heads of the wicked and you strip their bones from head to toe so what I'm trying to tell you is in the middle of everything that is shaking don't forget who you are because when you realize who you are you don't think God's coming after you because he's mad at you you go no no he's shaking things up because he's coming to rescue me he's coming to fix the fix to fix the enemy that's trying to destroy my life. He's coming to stir up things in order to make justice reign and righteousness be a portion that is mine. I love it this morning. Because see, when you can begin to understand the why, then the how is a whole lot easier to deal with. When you can understand the why of what God is doing in your life, you can embrace the how. You realize the how is just momentary because the how is what he's using to establish the why. He's shaking everything up because he's sending his chariots of salvation to rescue you and to establish his kingdom in your life. I know I'm, I'm a little bit on the edge this morning, but I tell you there's something got in my spirit, way down in my spirit early in this week, and I've been on a praise all week long because I've seen in the middle of crisis that God can show up in your life and He can show out. Come on, somebody. 
Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 3, says, Arise, shine, for your light is come, and the glory of the Lord has arisen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. Now, it's looking bad out there, folks. But don't forget who you are. Because in the middle of all that darkness, God has designed a people upon whom the glory of the Lord will be seen. And you're supposed to brighten up and be the light up in the middle of all of that thick, gross darkness out there. Somebody punch your neighbor and say, he's preaching today. (laughs) But the Lord will arise upon you. And his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light. And kings to the brightness of your rising. That's the promise of God. Nations are literally going to come. When they see the church finally rise up and take the place in confidence to be the representative, we are called to represent, to present again Christ to the world, to show the world that in the middle of the darkness, we're not a bunch of lazy complainers, but we're a bunch of faith-filled In all your promises are yes and amen. That we're going to walk in faith. That we're going to stand confidently in the faithfulness of God. Come on, somebody. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you this morning? Wow. Get this one. If you would, put it up for me in the booth. No, not my decisions, but I have that Hebrews passage. Hebrews chapter 12. Look at this. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For if the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger, we will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks to us from heaven. Go ahead. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth, but now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake. Everybody say shake. Say shake, rattle, and roll. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens also, he says. This means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Look at your neighbor and say, your name is unshakable. You're going to get that in a minute. Go ahead, verse 28. Since we are receiving a kingdom that is, say it, unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and all. One last verse, 29. For our God is a, King James says, a consuming fire. And what I want you to see this morning is that in the middle of all of the shaking that's going on in your life, you need to understand the why and the how becomes a whole lot easier to deal with. Why is God shaking up the church? Why is God shaking the world right now? Because he wants only that which is unshakable to remain. It's called a kingdom that is everlasting, from everlasting to everlasting. It is a people who fully have been baptized in the lordship of Jesus Christ. He is king, he is lord, he is boss. He's not just the manager of a heavenly supermarket to get whatever I faith my way into. Now he'll meet your needs this morning. He's your provider, he's your healer. Come on, come on, he's your justifier. He's all of those things. But over all of it, he is Lord. Everybody say, he's the boss. 
And when you get baptized and immersed in that awareness and you begin to live and say, God, I understand that things are shaken around me, but I'm confident that you've got me and you're not going to let me go. And while everything else is shaken, I know that what's going to be left is that which cannot be shaken, what is unshakable. Mm-mm-mm. So I'm just going to go ahead and enjoy the party and I'm going to shake, rattle and roll and I'm going to have myself. I'm going to throw myself a praise party up in the middle. Too often folk put all of their attention on their circumstances and I want you to see this morning is that the same circumstances that softened the potato hardened the egg. You feel like you're in some boiling water, water's getting hot around you, you know what you need to do? Just honey, rear back and take yourself a bath and relax in the name of Jesus. You run in the hot water in your life, don't let yourself get hardened when you ought to be soft in some areas. And don't get soft in some areas when you ought to be hardened and strong and sturdy and steadfast. It's not about the environment. It's really about who we are. God's shaken and he's turned it up and he's a consuming fire and he's going to deal with the stuff. And when we understand the why, the how is a whole lot. Are you hearing what I'm preaching this morning? The how is a whole lot easier. One last thing and I'm finished. And then we're going to come back and praise some more. We're going to finish the rest of our worship service. Last point and I'm done. My decisions determine my destiny. How many of you know that's the truth? You decided to get up out of the bed this morning. Some of you didn't feel like it. Some Sundays I don't. Today I couldn't wait. I'm, I'm going, man, I've got a word today. My, 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 I got a word. I want to I hear myself preach this word. This is because this is, I'm going to encourage myself. As I hear this message come up out of my mouth, I'm going to even get more encouraged. My decisions determine my destiny. Destiny is not something that has been established in some kind of fatalistic thing of whatever will be, will be. But it's something that we must apprehend in faith and take hold of. And I decide every day to cooperate with and do all that God has called me to do and to become. And it's bigger than I can even ask or imagine. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20, 21 tells me. My decisions determine my destiny. Look with me if you would to this verse. Because as you go through all of this shaking that Habakkuk talks about in this prayer that he begins in a groan. And when you look at it, it says, upon Shigianoth. A prayer sung by Habakkuk upon Shigianoth. And Shigianoth is, is a Hebrew instructive musical term. And the Amplified Bible, as I've already said, gives you the definition. It says, this prayer was sung and set to wild, enthusiastic, triumphal music. How you know sometimes you just got to let yourself go? And you got to have yourself a little bit of church, even if you have it by yourself. In your car on the way to work. Ladies, while you're putting your makeup on, if you got to stop and have a little bit of church. Brothers, while you're out there outside mowing the grass, I've stopped and had myself a little bit of church because I heard the Lord while I was pushing. This is what he says. Even though the fig trees have no blossoms, look at all the negativity. And there are no grapes on the vines. Even though the olive crop, say it, fails. Go with next verse. And the fields lie empty. And even though the flocks die and the cattle barns are empty. He says in the middle of all of this, I don't care how bad all this shaking that begins to hit around me is going on. He says there's one thing I'm not going to let go of. Yet. Everybody say yet. Come on and help me. Everybody say Yet. You know what? It's all the difference in the world when you say something, the conjunction, junction, what's your function? 
Notice he didn't put a but in there. Lord, I would tithe, but, you know, it's, it's hunting season coming up, Lord. Uh, but, uh, uh, Lord, you know, I would tithe, but I, I have to have my nails and my eyelashes, Jesus. And, 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 and I would tithe, oh God. I, I, I would get involved in a serve team, but uh, I, I would uh, get involved and meet some people and be in a life group, but... And, and too many folks are spending too much time saying, but, and if you would just get your butts out of the way, God could move. No, no, he didn't just say that. Yes, he sure did. He just said that. He just said, if you would change your conjunction from a but to a yet in the middle of all the difficulty that I face, I'm not going to let that be an excuse. Yet will I rejoice in the God of my salvation. And I will be joyful in the Lord. My God, it's all together different when you say yet instead of but. You know, when somebody apologizes to you and they say, I'm sorry so much that this happened, but... How many of you know that just negated everything they just said? <laughs> Too many buts hinder the promises of God in our lives. If we can do what Habakkuk did and say, yet... Look at what he says. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. One more verse and I'm finished. Look what happens. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me sure-footed as a deer. It, the, the King James says, He makes my feet like hind's feet. Now, hind, the hind is a specific kind of deer. Now, all of you hunters all perked up because deer season's about to hit, and you're going, where is it? Where is it? Give me my bow. <laughs> give me my musket. Give me my, my rifle. All the hunters have checked back into the service with us right now. He makes my feet like hind's feet. And this particular deer that is indigenous to... The Middle East, particularly Israel, has the ability to, with its feet and the way that it's shaped, to climb very swiftly and very quickly mountainous, heavily craggy rocked regions and just skips up the mountains and, and literally not even thinking about it whatsoever. It says, he makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. Now, notice all the focus didn't change until he said, yet. When he was talking about how everything was shaken, it just seemed to be hanging out in a negative key. But when he finally got to the chorus and he said, Yet will I rejoice and I will joy in the God of my salvation. All of a sudden something transformed. Something took place. He says, the, in the middle of all of this, I've got some joy that has become my strength. And the sovereign Lord is my strength. In the middle of the crisis, I can have joy because I've made a decision to put my joy in the Lord. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together. very famous author on leadership, John Maxwell, wrote a book probably 30 years ago. It was one of the first Maxwell books that I ever read, and it was on the attitude. And he dedicated a couple of chapters to uh, aviation, to flying. And he talked about the importance of an airplane in <clears throat> the nose of the plane in relation to the horizon. And this is a statement that he gave. If you would go ahead and put it up for me under this third point. We've already talked about but and we've talked about yet. And this is the last thing I want to say this morning. Last thing, there it is. Here we go. Read it out loud with me. Your attitude, say it, your attitude determines your altitude. This is what I want you to see. Something has changed literally 
Habakkuk's attitude, his focus, his perspective, where his trust is, has been lifted up in joy and strength. Joy has emerged and strength has come on him and now he has the ability to climb mountainous things in his life. And, and this is what I want you to see in related to aviation. I, I was taught this years and years and years ago and this is, this is one, there's another reason why I am deliberately positive. Because he says that when you're flying a plane, the attitude of the plane, literally, not altitude, but the attitude of the plane is the relationship of the nose to the horizon. When the attitude of the plane is up, the plane is climbing. So the attitude determines the altitude. When the attitude of the plane is down in relation to the horizon, the plane is descending, hopefully not to have a crash landing, but to land smoothly. And so attitude, are you focused upward or downward? The attitude of the plane is going to determine the altitude to which the plane is able to eventually fly. So this morning, it's a beautiful illustration of where we want to end, and I'm going to, at this point right now, invite the praise team back. They're coming back, and we're going to pick up and sing a couple, several more times. I will rest in your promises. My confidence is in your faithfulness. Faithful you are, because this has everything to do with my attitude toward the horizon in which I'm walking. I'm looking and I'm seeing some mountains. And if I'm going to fly over them, I better get my attitude up and look up to the Lord and stop saying, but that mountain's too high. But these circumstances are too difficult. But I don't have the strength. And start saying, in spite of all that, yet I will rejoice. I know it's difficult, yet I'm going to trust God to meet my need. I know that everything seems so dark, but yet I believe God's going to shine light on me and in my life and give me blessing and understanding. Come on, stand to your feet with me this morning, and let's do this right now. Whatever your circumstance, what you're facing, the difficulty you're in right now, get your focus off then, lift your attitude up, and begin to say right now, stop saying but and start saying yet I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Come on, let's sing it.